Welcome to Wrestling With Heart, a podcast looking at pro wrestlers giving back to their community. Join me, Stanley Carr, as I interview wrestling's hottest names who use their platforms as entertainers to raise awareness and do community service. Hello and welcome to another edition of Wrestling With Heart. This is the show where we talk with professional wrestlers and wrestling personalities about their lives in and out of the ring doing acts of charity, community service, and helping others. And I've got a very special guest with me today. Uh, She has wrestled all over the world, done so many different things in the entertainment industry, uh, and she's currently the cultural uh, director, cultural arts director for the Floyd Family Center for Social Equity. I'm very pleased to welcome Roni Nicole to the show. Welcome, Roni. It's nice to have you Hi. on. Hi. Yes. And it's Ronnie. Like Ronnie. Tinder. Ronnie. Okay. Yes. All right. No worries. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, so let's kind of talk about your, uh, you know, your childhood. You grew up in North Texas. I'm right? originally from Houston, Texas. Yes. But I grew up between Texas and North Carolina. So I'm presently in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, but I grew up in Cary, North Carolina, in between. Um, so my formative years were always traveling and being on the road with my mom and kind of seeing the the southern U.S. through the backseat of uh, 280Z. <laughs> I'm showing my age. It was like an older car uh, that was like fancy at the time, I guess. But um, yeah, so um, but here... My family was always very involved in the community and providing mutual aid. Um, I grew up primitive Southern Baptist. So being in the church and always going to see those who were sick and shut in was always, you know, a part of the routine of of my life. Um, And my mom was always involved in some sort of volunteer work within the community. And so from a very young age, I was with her uh, learning how to help people and learning, you know, about privilege and our responsibility and what we owe each other in terms of, you know, how we connect as a local community, but a global community as well. So um, I started out picking up clothes hangers at a thrift store she volunteered at because I was very young and that was all I could do at the time that they would trust me with. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, I started helping out with like the toys and then I moved up to be an actual volunteer. And by the time I was like 13 or 14, I was the one who was in charge of like orienting the youth volunteers and getting them into the swing of how things go. Even though I was so young, I'd been there for so long, you know, I knew how, how everything operated. And so I felt very fortunate to be in a community where that was so important and, you know, helping each other was really at the forefront of what people did. Um, It's odd to think about, but when I grew up, my grandma didn't lock her doors, you know, because it was just the kind of place and time where it was safe. And I knew I couldn't do anything in front of the neighbors because they had the authority to, you know, make sure I was on the right path and not doing something out of character. So coming from a community that was always looking out for each other and helping each other and providing that aid to each other, um, that was instilled in me very young. And so transitioning into arts and finding a way to use arts and social justice and uh, merge those two, which is actually more closely related than people think, um, that was just a natural progression for me. I love how, you know, 
it's fascinating to me that it all starts from the roots of someone's life and you're able to get educated about that at such a young age. You know, I think that if, if people started doing things like that when they're young, it'll help them propel themselves to doing more stuff as they're older and it just passes on to the next generation and generation after that. So absolutely. So great. So great to hear that. Okay. So, you know, you being interested in the arts uh, and sports, obviously sports entertainment, you know, with wrestling. I mean, what got you interested in professional wrestling? Um, I've always been a a wrestling fan from a very young age because, well, I'm no longer, but I was for a time, I was the youngest of my cousins who all there's like a, maybe a 10 to 12 year age gap between us. So, um, and then there's a 10 to 12 year age gap between my second set of cousins. So I'm in the middle of like this weird age range. Um, but all of my older male cousins were involved in athletics and sports. And one of my cousins was a wrestler and I would go to his high school wrestling matches and, you know, his collegiate matches and whatnot yeah, yeah. and see him perform. And it was just really engaging for me. And that was one of the few sports that actually I glommed on to. Um, I played basketball when I was smaller, but it didn't ever grab me, you know, in the way that wrestling did. Yeah. And so when I started talking to him about wrestling, he was like, ask some of the boys at your school about wrestling. And I was like, because, mm, you know, you're a kid, boys and girls at the time did not engage. So I was like, I'm not going to ask these boys. And the boys right. he was talking about were the ones who were wearing like the giant WWE t-shirts, you know? So I was yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. Don't hang out with these kids. He sure. was like, just ask them. So they were like, you need to, something's happening. You need to um, watch this. And they told me about Raw. And so at the time when I was growing up, I was not allowed to watch TV during the week. I was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday until 6 p.m. thing. Sure. So I was like, I'm not allowed to watch TV during the week. And they were like, well, if you want to know what we're talking about, you need to figure it out. So <laughs> I... Back then, no social media, no YouTube. Right. Any of that and stuff. That's, it's so funny to think about like back then that we, it was talking to each other or passing notes or word of mouth where you heard mm-hmm. about things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so luckily it worked out for me to sneak and I stumbled and watched like the first episode of Raw. And... I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the wrestling that I've seen before, but it's so much more theatrical and so much more, you know, majestic and the pageantry and the artistry. And I just remember being so captivated by what I was seeing and thinking I could do this, but I didn't have any metric to understand it, like how you became a wrestler or anything like that. But even at that young age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I'm quickly putting everything back because my mom's coming home and, you know, I don't want to get in trouble or whatever, but my mind is just like turning over these people that I saw. And like, I remember being actually like, seeing Undertaker and Paul Bearer like being scared you know and and remembering how I felt then now (laughs) it makes me kind of emotional because how often do we actually get that first time feeling for certain things you know Mm -hmm. yeah um but that and I think also that's what draws me always back to wrestling is that first time feeling and how it makes me still feel just on the inside so yeah 
whole and warm and grateful to be able to participate in such a beautiful, brutal art. But um, yeah, so I didn't know how I was gonna get into wrestling. Um, and at the time I was doing theater in middle school and I figured that was my track because I wanted to be an actress and a fashion designer. I kind of wanted to have all the jobs that Barbie had. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, not, so not I didn't so know. Bad. Right, right. I mean, she was always employed and doing amazing yeah, things. Yeah, so. exactly. Jack of <laughs> but, all trades. Right. Um, but I got into high school and we actually did have a really good wrestling team at my high school. And so I was like, oh. So I remember asking my health teacher, I was like, do you guys have girl wrestlers? And he was like, <laughs> and he laughed. And I was like, huh, okay. So then I asked the female gym teacher and she was like, you and another girl have expressed interest, but we don't have that. And we don't have the capability for that. Now, mind you, they did have women who had their own wrestling and stuff around the state of North Carolina. There was the opportunity for a small team to be built and to grow. But just at the time where this was, it was honestly a gender-based thing. You know, they didn't want to put the energy into that if they only had two girls who were interested in that, um, yeah. which really sucked, you know? Um, so it wasn't until I was in, I had left college um, and I had moved back up to the area to help my mom take care of my grandmother who was ill and my mom was starting to decline in health as well. And so I left school and I was semi-pro cheerleading and my team folded and I was really disappointed. And so I was looking for another team to join and I happened across a Craigslist ad that said female performers wanted. And back during that time, that could have went a mm -hmm. couple different ways. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, but yep. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but it turned out it was a gentleman who was trying to start a all-female based wrestling promotion here in North Carolina. So that was my introduction to indie wrestling here. And I was very taken by the idea of an organization that was all women that was doing wrestling. And it was exciting. And he was going to pay for all the training and make sure we got trained up. And so I ended up going out to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and training with um, Tony James uh, at Ring Wars Carolina uh, and Eddie Brown, who was the owner. And um, I, I, I immediately caught the bug. So I remember riding with him and being very nervous. The very first time I went, it was only myself. And then each subsequent time, it was a different girl because wrestling's hard and it's oh, hard sure. to find people who, you know, wanted to be dedicated. Mm -hmm. And usually when people take that first bump and they hit their head, it's going to go one of two ways. They're either mm -hmm. like, no, I'm done with this or... I'm unsure. I didn't like it, but let's do it again. And I was the first, or I was the the latter, um, because that first bump, I, ooh, it was bad. And yeah. I remember sitting up very slowly and seeing those little like specks in the dark and cartoon birds. Yeah. And like they were all kind of like waiting for me to quit. Like they were just paused. And I looked over and I was like, let's do it again. And they were like okay so <laughs> I just I never stopped um and so I found my way into the independent scene and was fortunate enough to have some very cool old school vets to continue my training when I was unable to stay at RWC so then I transferred over to the Fracture Factory which is actually the school that's owned by C.W. Anderson's cousin um and so I was able to be trained by him and Chili Willie and Lou Marconi 
And so I got a really good foundation in wrestling. And from there, it just took off. Um, I've been, like you said, around the world. My longest stint was in Japan, where I actually moved and lived for over mm-hmm. four years, uh, which was an incredible experience. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I feel very grateful to have been able to carry this dream to so many countries and to so many places and to so many people. I honestly did not envision my life being <laughs> a pro wrestler. Um, <laughs> no. You know, but that's the way it worked out. And I feel really grateful yeah. that has sure sure so i wanted to switch gears and talk about you know what you've been doing outside of the ring you're currently the creative arts the cultural arts director for the floyd family center for social equity tell me about how you got involved with that because you know i mean obviously with with covid 2020 was just it was a mess (laughs) it was a mess and the, the 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 tragedy that just shocked the world not just america but the world with george floyd just i was appalled just watching that i mean that's what it is that's what got me involved um george actually is from this area but he moved up north um so he has family that's still here his uncle and um some family members still live in the uh the raleigh area uh, and so I, like I said, I was always raised to help and I was by my grandparents, but my mom was big on injustice. And when you see something, when you can do something, you do it because that's what you're supposed to do, especially mm-hmm. if you have the capability. And I couldn't in any way bring George back. And that's not my responsibility. Right. But I could make sure that things change and do my part in making that change. And so I actually reached out to, at the time, uh, there was most of the organizations were still using his name that has since changed since his family asked for that to stop. Um, But at the time it was called the George Floyd Memorial Center and they were having some events in Raleigh. um, And I just reached out to the family and I told them, you know, what I do and what I had been doing. I've been organizing doing activism and cultural arts and event planning for quite a while. Um, my, a lot of my life has been event planning and organizing, but I had gotten into the cultural arts when I started working for the Poor People's Campaign. Um, and so I wanted to help. And so I reached out to the executive director of the center, Thomas McLaurin, who was George's cousin. And then I reached out to his uncle, Roger Floyd, and I asked if I could meet with them and just speak with them and tell them a bit about me and, and see how I could help. And honestly, that's how a lot of the people who are on the board and who are involved with the organization got there is we all saw what happened and we all immediately felt the need to do something about it in, in whatever way we can. Yeah. And so after um, you know, joining up with them, uh, my place became cultural arts because I'm an artist and I know how to kind of marry the two concepts together, people don't realize that arts and activism have always gone hand in hand. Yeah, there was a a time in the past when the United States actually funded artists, Um, but then the Great Depression happened and artists started speaking out about the government. And so the government was like, "Mm, we're gonna take that funding back and y'all be quiet. And so a lot of artists were uh, put on a list and deemed communist and Mm. uh, like, pretty much gaslit and doxxed in the way that you could back then. And so art and activism kind of looked like they were separate, 
but they weren't. A lot of those artists continued to still make art that spoke out against what happened, you know, um, with the, the stock market crashing and everybody losing money, you know, like the Great Depression was foreseen, which is essentially is what they were saying. Um, and so bringing a way to of message of justice and equity and equality and shining a light on the, the evils of the world that we have to fight against was something I wanted to be able to do in a way that would affect more people. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how I got involved. We have had some amazing, incredible events. We had a conference, we've had a spoken word event, which was in really beautiful all of the pieces well the first round pieces because it was a uh, a contest actually a spoken word competition uh the first round pieces were about george and his life and the legacy he left which was really emotional and powerful for the family to to be able to experience um then we had a town hall where we actually spoke to law enforcement here in the area and had genuine frank conversation about how y'all can do better and what can we as citizens do to help you do better? Um, and that was really interesting for me. You know, uh, I am someone who believes that law enforcement has a place. The place is not our communities necessarily. Um, and so actually being able to be in the space to problem solve and to have frank discourse was really incredible. Um, and so, organizing these events and our next big thing coming up is the feeding the spirit food pantry because these people are acting like COVID is over but it's really not and with Mm -hmm. inflation food is getting harder and harder to come by and so we're really trying to make that more accessible here for those communities who kind of fall in the gap a lot of places pantries have started having requirements in order to come and we just want to be a place where just come get the food so that you can feed yourself and your family Um, And so we are organizing, well, I'm organizing that right now. Um, But yeah, just wanting to help, wanting to give back and realizing that if we don't do it ourselves, it likely will not get done. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, that is. You know, so we have to, we have to be responsible for each other. We owe to each other to look out for each other and to care for each other. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that is how, you know, I try to do that. I am also a member of WILF, the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. Um, And we actually last night just had a one WILF call, which is where our entire membership and anyone who's interested can come have uh, guided discussions with guest speakers about different topics. And the, the big issue right now that we are trying to help and build solidarity for is all of the killings and the slayings that are happening in Iran for all of the protesters and all of the young people who are still mm-hmm. protesting the death of Masha Amini when she was killed back in September yeah. um, by the morality police. I know it's snarky, but it's true. Yeah, oh, there's there's a lot of craziness in the world and so we all have to do our part to be better people and better as a community why why do you feel it's important to to be an activist and help out in your community we are actively every day in one way or another being fed something bad for us Mm -hmm. whether that is literally through food or through what we watch on TV or our drinking water. 
we are literally deprived basic human rights that have been commodified so that we have to pay for things we're entitled to. And there are people who suffer under that more than others. And that is by design. And I believe it is important to help push back against that so that they know we are not ones to be messed with. We are going to continue to fight for each other, for our communities, to have equity, to have reasonable pay, to have safe places to live, to have clean drinking water, to have opportunity for all children of all color. Um, it's important to never stop fighting. And I believe that is why it's important for me to be an activist because I've been given the ability and the capacity to fight. And so I want to do that to protect people who I don't even know, but they deserve to be protected from being disenfranchised and being lied to and being gaslit into thinking things aren't happening the way that they are. I think that's wrong. And I would hope that everybody who saw something wrong would choose to say no in their own way. You don't have to be an activist, but there are still ways that you can say no and you can give back and you can show your power and use your voice. And I encourage everyone to do that in whatever way they can, because it's important for us to continue to make sure we're not overtaken by capitalistic corporate overlords. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, uh, Ronnie, uh, this has been wonderful uh, talking with you. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Do you have a website? Uh, any events coming up, uh, wrestling or not? Uh, where can people find more about you? Well, yes, please like my page on Facebook, Ronnie Nicole slash Big Bang Nicole. You can find me on Twitter at Glitterlicious, spelled just how it sounds. You can find me on Instagram at Ronnie underscore Nicole underscore Joshi Queen. And you can find my link tree at Linktree slashy thingy, <laughs> Ronnie Nicole R. Um, and what's happening is actually something that is happening on Feb or January 13th today, uh, my book is out. So it has ah. been released on Amazon in both ebook and paperback format. Okay. Um, it is called River Song Respite Reflections One. I went to this incredible retreat space here in the Piedmont area called Respite in the Round. It is a rare alluvial forest. So it's like a hardwood forest that's uh, off the Tar River. And it's on Okanichi Saponi land. And it's a space where you can heal and ground and connect with nature. And so in the wake of losing my mother, I have sought to do that in different ways through my grieving process. And so this book is a book of reflections and poetry that I wrote uh, while I was there. And so, yes, that is actually, <laughs> I received the email, the paperback went live, like while we were talking. So I'm super excited. Congratulations. So, yes. Thank you. So please check me out, Ronnie Nicole, uh, on the author's page for Amazon. And you can find the link on most of my social media as well. Um, and I'm actually in audition season for theater. So I have paused my wrestling bookings, but I will be resuming those in Europe coming this spring and summer. So super excited. Okay. So yeah. all my European fans, please follow my social media so you can see updates about my European tour, because this is the first time I'm putting a tour together by myself 
which is crazy, but I'm excited. And there's so many people who I want to see and work with. So it's time to get back out there. So please stay tuned for more wrestling info. But right now, go get my book if you can. (laughs) All right. You got a lot of big projects in the works. And uh, again, I just want to say thank you for coming on. It means a lot to me and the viewers watching at home. And I'd love to have you back on sometime soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Take care. This is Wrestling With Heart. I hope you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and look out for the next edition.